so mind games. The mind is a powerful, powerful thing. And um, I just want to share a little bit about myself. I don't want to take too long, but I just want to give you some uh, background as to how powerful the mind is. Um, when I was a, a little girl, so I was born in the 70s, as, uh, 70s, and as you can imagine, in the 70s and 80s, if you were um, a young child whose parents were divorced, that was very unusual. Um, I, I think I might have been, at one stage, the only kid in the class who didn't have a father. And, um, you know, because of the hurt my mom had been through with divorce and, and, and not having a good experience with my biological father, she always used to say to me, Sue, well, she called me Susan, only Jason calls me Sue, Susan, men are bad, and all they're going to do is leave you. Men are bad, and all they're going to do is leave you. And I believed that. I believed it. So much so that I made it part of my life. That I dated, but I never wanted to get married because he was just going to leave anyway. So I believed this and made it part of who I was. Then, um, before I became a Christian, I dated someone who was really controlling. So much so that he would control the way I dressed, the way I cut my hair, and the way I behaved in public when I was with him. And he used to say to me, when we would be going out somewhere, just don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me. And I became so insecure that I believed I was an embarrassment. I believed it. I lived it. I wouldn't be myself around people. Um, I'm, I've got quite a dry sense of humor. I wouldn't even joke around people. Um, I believed that I was an embarrassment. Then, as I mentioned earlier on, my, my biological father left um, just after I was a year old and never, ever kept contact with me. So I believed, because everybody else that I knew, and I, I come from a huge family, and my mom out of 10 kids was the only one who was divorced and the only one whose father had left, I believed, well then, I obviously was not a good enough daughter for him to want to stay around. I felt that I was unworthy and I felt that I was unlovable. So men were bad, they were going to leave. I was unlovable, I was an embarrassment, um, and I really lived my life believing this. Then when I was in matric, my mom passed away, and um, my grandmother, who lives in Switzerland, she's still alive, was so distraught by what had happened, she took photographs of my dad, my, which was then my stepdad, and my sister and myself to a fortune teller. And she asked the fortune teller, like, what is going to happen with my family? And the fortune teller pointed at my photograph and said that one day she is going to fall pregnant out of wedlock and the man will leave her. Again, took it to heart, believed it. Believed it so much so that after I became a Christian, after I got married to Jason, and after I had Taylor Grace, I believed that at some point Jason is going to leave me because that is what I believed. That is what I believed. I believed the lies that had been spoken. I believed the circumstances that were not truthful. I believed all of these comments and things that had happened. I believed 
that I was unlovable, that I was unworthy, that men would just leave, that I was going to, you know. And so even though I was a Christian and even though I'd given my heart to God, this is how I was living, in fear. When's Jason going to leave? Surely because that I, I, my mind had not been renewed or reformed to believe anything else. And even though I believed um, in those things, and even though after I became a Christian, I knew that they were lies, I just kept believing it because that's all I knew. I'm not wanted. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm, 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 I'm pathetic. I honestly believe that I was pathetic. And so everything that I've shared with you this morning, how many of you can relate to those types of thoughts? You don't have to put your hands up. Just to yourself right now, think. How many of you can relate to thoughts that sound like that? That you're unloved, that you're unworthy, that you're rejected. The mind is so powerful. The mind is such a powerful thing. And the thoughts that we think every day impact our decisions. Okay? So our, our um, thoughts impact our decisions. It influences our habits. So... Our habits, our daily habits that we have are influenced by what we think. Um, and it can change our perspective about things. So think about it. I was told that men are bad, so that changed my perspective. It, it created a perspective that was not true, but I believed it because the mind is powerful. And when we give our hearts to God, He um, gives us a new redeemed heart. Okay, we don't have to do anything about it. God, Jesus died for us. He shed his blood for us so that we can be forgiven. And he gives us a new heart when we surrender our lives to him. That, that is a promise. That is, what do, that is what he does. But what he can't give us is a new mind. Because we are not robots. We have free will. So he can't give us a new mind. We have to work on our minds. We have to work on our thoughts. And from the moment that you are born, all of our life experiences, all of the, um, the where we grew up, how we grew up, what we are exposed to, everything that happens to us, um, it, it turns us into who we are today. Right? It has an influence, it has an impact on who we become, and we start believing and living our lives according to that. So however you have been brought up, however you grow up, that is how you think about yourself, about God, about life, and about others. Now, some of you have been transformed by God. Some of you are in a relationship with God, a personal, intimate relationship, um, and you've had your heart transformed, but you still think the way that you did before because you haven't allowed your mind to be transformed. So you've allowed your heart to, to, to be transformed, but not your mind. And the battle for your life is always won or lost in your mind. The battle, do you know that we are in a battle? And the battle is in your mind. And the battle for your life is either won or lost in your mind. The enemy wants to keep us separated from God. That is his deal. He's like, if I can just keep Susan separated from God, then she will not know what he wants for her, um, what he thinks about her. That is his plan. And um, he can't force us to do anything, right? Because as I said earlier on, we have free will. 
But he uses a tactic that I believe is something that he has discovered um, over many, many centuries is a flawless tactic to use. And that is the tactic of getting us to believe lies about ourselves, to believe that we are um, not worthy, not lovable. And so um, these lies keep us behind a door that separates us from God. So me and my props, I've got a door here today, okay? And there is actually a scripture in Revelation where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, all right? But it's up to us to open the door and invite Jesus in. So we have this door and, and, and Jesus um, is a gentleman. He will never force himself on us. He, he made the choice to die for us because he knew that that was the way for us to get into a um, wonderful, intimate relationship with God, but he will never force us because we are not robots. And um, so, he, so, so Satan uses this door to separate us. He says, as long as I can keep that door closed, as long as they don't respond to Jesus knocking, then, then I've got this sorted. And the best way that he does that is we stand at the door and we hear the knocking, but what do we do? We say, well, you know what, I was rejected, I'm rejected, let's not open this door, sorry about that, okay? Um, you know, I'm not good enough because people just leave me, so I, I'm not good enough, and um, you know, this door almost becomes a, like a stronger fortress, a, a stronghold that, um, I mean, who wants to stand and look at a door, look at a a, a mirror where you're just seeing all these words thrown back at you. Maybe you think, well, um, I'll never measure up. I'll always be less than good enough for anyone, for marriage, for friendship, um, for a, a really good job. Um, you know what? I'm a failure. I failed at school, and, and you know, this is, this is who I am, and, you know, I'll never be good enough because if anyone sees my matric certificate, they're going to think that I'm just a failure and I'm unlovable because people just leave me. My father left. Surely I'm unlovable because I wasn't good enough. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy of, of friendship, of opportunities. I'm an embarrassment. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my life staring at this day in and day out. So what it does, it becomes a real South African door with trelly doors and electric fencing and bolts and everything, okay? In our mind, we look at this door and we go, well, Jesus may be on the other side knocking, but I am all these things. I am not worthy. So I am just going to walk away and continue to be separated from God and to never answer the call that he has for me. So what do we do when we become trapped by the lies that the enemy has convinced us to believe? What do we do, all right? Now we know we're trapped. Now we know we don't ever want to face that. We don't ever want have to have to um, be reminded daily, yo, that's so negative. Imagine that that's what you think about yourself day in and day out. But what does Romans 12 verse 2 say? It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
I love the message paraphrase that says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. We become so well adjusted to what the world says about us, who the world says we should be, that we don't even think about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. What does he want from you? He wants freedom. He wants purpose. He wants joy. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So the life that we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. Um, and if you always believe that you're a victim, I believed I was a victim, then you remain a victim. But if you believe that you can be an overcomer, if you believe that you can be an overcomer because of the power of Jesus within you, you can overcome and so what you need to do is this. You need to stop and think about what you think about. Just let that sink in. You need to stop and think about what you think about. Where are your thoughts coming from? And some of you are living a life based on the lies that you believe about yourself. And do you know that that's contrary to what God has for you? God is saying, don't compare yourself to the world. Don't focus on what the world thinks of you. But let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what God's word says. Allow yourself to be transformed. He's not saying, allow He's not saying, I'm going to transform you because you're a robot. He's saying, allow me. It's a gift. Allow me to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And you can't have a positive life when you have a negative mindset. You can't have something, you can't live a life that you're not putting in what you're hoping to get out. You know, if I'm only putting negative in, I can't, I can't force a positive life because what is in comes out. What is here is, 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 how, is the life that you create. And do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? If your answer is no, then you need to do something to change it. Do you like the direction that your thoughts are taking you? So often, when I forget about the fact that I need to renew my mind, when I slip into old habits, when I allow lies to become um, sort of where I put more emphasis than what God says, it is so easy to fall back into, into believing less about myself and not what God has for me. And God wants to renew our mind. And renewing something takes being intentional. So if you want to renew something, you have to take um, what it is as it is, and you have to be intentional to make it what it is meant to be, all right, if you want to change something. So for example, those of you that love plants, if you have a plant that is dying and you want to revive this plant, you know that you can't just hope that the plant is going to be revived. 
okay? You have to be intentional. You have to water the plant. You have to maybe resoil it, repot it. You have to give it attention. You have to be intentional. The same with relationships. If you um, want to renew a relationship with someone where trust has been broken, you can't just hope that the relationship is going to improve. You have to be intentional. You have to take time and effort and start being truthful with each other and rebuild in order to renew the relationship. It takes being intentional. In the same way, the lies that we believe about ourselves can only be renewed if we are intentional to spend time, to spend effort, to be, to take God's word and to actually um, do whatever it takes to renew our minds. It takes effort and it takes intentionality. And you have a choice. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. Our choice can be to spend time with God and in his word, to pray, to listen to worship music, to fellowship with other Christians, maybe in a life group or a serving team. Um, yeah, because when we do that, when, when we make the choice to spend time with God in those ways, what happens is, is that we are actually getting our minds to a place where our mind can catch up with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do inside of us. Remember, God's given you a redeemed heart. So the Holy Spirit is working, but our mind has to catch up with what the Spirit is doing. In Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God is saying that when you transform your mind, you line your mind up with the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within you. So stuff's already happening. It's like we just got to get this to catch up, okay? And so what I want to do this morning is I want, to, uh, I want us to unpack just a little bit Romans 12 verse 2 just to help you understand um, how simple this actually is and yet we don't actually use the power that God has given us. So the first part of uh, Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, all right? So my first point this morning is that we need to identify the lies. Now, what lies are holding you captive? You might not even know what lies are holding you captive. You might have no clue. You might need to go away and think about it. You, you know, you might actually need to spend time thinking, God, what have I believed that is not from you, that is not the truth? What strongholds are robbing you of living a life of freedom and joy and purpose? Remember, a stronghold is like a mighty fortress that's holding you captive. And this stuff, how can you live a life of freedom when you are a prisoner? You can't. And Craig O'Shall says that you cannot defeat what you cannot define. We need to be able to define what those lies are. We cannot defeat what we cannot define. You have to identify the lie that has taken you prisoner. So for me, it was identifying these lies and saying, these lies are actually holding me prisoner from what God has for me. I had to look at them. I had to identify them. Where are they coming from? Why do I think that? Why do I believe it? I had to define it. You must acknowledge the impact that it's had on you. It does change us. It does influence us. So if you're going to change your life, you have to change your thinking. 
You need to identify in order to demolish the lies. Identify in order to demolish. Say that with me. I need to identify in order to demolish. Can we like say that with some vum, umma, vumma, okay? I need to identify in order to demolish, okay? Because God wants us to demolish the lies. He doesn't want us to remain captive. Jesus didn't die so that we can stay a prisoner. He died to set us free. And the power within us that comes when we are giving our lives to Jesus is there. It's there for us to take. Sorry that I'm getting so excited, but this stuff just makes me crazy. If you want to really change your life, you can't just change your behavior, okay? Christianity is not a behavior modification club. We like to think it is. Well, God, can you just quick, quick, quick change my behavior? No, you're not a robot, okay? Christianity is about life transformation, Life transformation because you are giving someone access who can transform you from the inside out. And we've all experienced the frustration, right? Um, where we, we make a promise to ourselves and we say, right, tomorrow is Monday. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to stop shouting at my children. I'm going to stop speaking badly about my marriage. I'm going to stop spending money unnecessarily and sign up for the financial freedom course. And that all sounds great. That is all, like, there's nothing wrong with thinking those things. But I don't know about you, but sometimes um, the, the, the promises that I make to myself maybe last a few months. Nah, my personality. Maybe a few days. But you know what's really bad is when, it, when I find that it only lasts a few hours. Like on a Monday, if I say to myself, today you're going to start a diet, Monday evening, that diet is out the window, okay? Because I don't do diet. I just, I, that doesn't work for me. I can't do these like hardcore, like all or nothing, okay? So we, we get frustrated. We, we promise these things, and then what happens is we go back into our default behavior, and we become despondent, and we become frustrated, and then what happens? We want to give up. We just want to give up. We just say, oh, well, this is who I'm always going to be. I'm always going to be unlovable. I'm always going to be the person that experienced this, that went through that. I'm always going to be a victim. I'm never going to amount to anything. We just go back to the default behavior. Why do we do it? Because we haven't dealt with the root of the problem. The root, we need to get to the root, we need to define what it is. And I've always believed that acknowledging a problem is almost like halfway to the solution. Just acknowledging, just saying in my mind, okay, this is the problem. Because once you've acknowledged it, there is so much that you can do. Um, we need God's power. We need his power to experience victory. We need his power to be overcomers, okay? But now there's bad news and there's good news. Do you want the bad news first? Well, I'm going to give it to you anyway. The bad news is that we do not have what it takes to win the war. We don't have what it takes to win the war. 
We've tried to change our thinking. We've tried to change our habits. We've tried to change our lives, and we always seem to end up back in the same place. All the trying and uh, failing and falling um, leads us to want to give up. And so what is the problem? The power we need to change our thinking is a power that we don't have. The power that I needed to deal with those lies was a power I did not possess. I tried. I would say, I would wake up in the morning and say, like, you know, with an anxious thought that, that Jason's going to leave me because that's what the fortune teller said. And I would try, no, no, Susan, no, you're not going to think that way. You're not going to believe it. But let one insecure thing happen to me, a little argument, a little something, and I'm back to that default behavior. I'm back to that default way of thinking. I'm back to that same place that I started. We have a cunning spiritual enemy who wants you to give up. He wants you to give up. He wants you to walk away from a life that God has for you. But what is the good news? The good news is that God does not want you to give up. He wants you to look up. He doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to look up. You have a gracious, loving God um, who has power that you need, and he wants to share it with you. God wants to share his power with you. Remember that Ephesians verse about the power working within you, the Holy Spirit working within you. It's there already. It's already there. The Holy Spirit, and when you've given your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there, and he is saying, use me, tap into me. Use the power that God has for you. And as a child of God, you have access to everything that belongs to your heavenly Father. So look up, access the power that God has that he can use to remove the lies and replace with truth. And so that brings us to the next part of Romans 12 verse 2 where it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And in the message paraphrase, it says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So what you allow to happen on the inside will have an influence on your behavior, but it has to start with allowing the Holy Spirit's power to work in you. So the second point today is that we need to replace with God's truth. So we need to identify the lie and replace it with God's truth. Identify the lie, replace it with God's truth. Because if you believe a lie long enough, you will start thinking that it's truth. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. You get stuck in a rut. So I believed that men are all bad and they will leave me. And I believed that to the point that whoever I dated, even after I became a Christian, they will leave. That lie became a rut. I want to give you an example. If you think about um, any grass area or park close to your house that you either walk through or that you know that you use there can be lots of long grass but if it's an area that's used a lot there will be a path that is walked flat right so there'll be a path where our park sometimes they don't come and cut that grass for a very long time but the path will be clear and everyone uses that same path and that's what we do with our thoughts we have a certain path that we walk in day in and day out we walk on that path the grass has died the path is clear that's all we know we walk on the path but God wants us to renew our mind. He wants us to change the pathway. 
The only way that we can change the pathway is to actually stop walking on that path and start creating a new path. But starting to create a new path is scary because if I think about, um, I, I'm a real visual person, so if I think about creating a new path in my park where I take my dog for a walk, I don't know what's in that long grass. There's hojas there. Okay, there's snakes, there's mice. They sometimes visit Sam and Irwin in their flat, okay? Like, that, like there's stuff there. But that's where the lie of fear is something that you've got to take God's word and say, a word and say no, I will not fear. I'm going to create a new path, and I'm going to walk on this path every day um, until that grass is flat, until that path is so clear that you can see that this path has been walked because this is the, the truth of God's word. And that path is what I walk in every single day. What happens to that path? The grass starts growing. It doesn't get used. It starts filling out. You can't really see it anymore because this is where you've created the new path. Is it scary? Oh, yes. Do I feel like I'm trying to do something that seems totally out of character and impossible? Oh, yes. But does God want you to do it? Oh, yes. Okay. So walk, trample those snakes. Trample those mice. Trample the hojas. But create a new path with God's word. And you know, you have to ask yourself, am I a prisoner? Am I missing out on what God has for me? Because you can become paralyzed with fear of rejection, paralyzed with fear of being unlovable, of being unworthy, of being pathetic, whatever it is that you, you have, it paralyzes you. And um, we have to access this power, as I said, so that we can annihilate the lies. And the enemy's greatest weapon is lie, but God's greatest weapon is the truth, is his word. Are we going to give more power to the enemy or are we going to give more power to God's word? I'm going to give you an example in my own life. So I've always struggled a lot with anxiety. And I, just, and I don't mean anxiety where it's like, oh, I'm a bit nervous to do something, or I'm a bit, I'm a bit anxious to like, come up on stage and speak, um, or I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. No, I'm talking about crippling, paralyzing anxiety. So much so that it was affecting my marriage, affecting my health, affecting my parenting, affecting my job, paralyzing anxiety. I went for help, I saw professionals, I went on medication, and that all helped to a point. But then I had to really dig deep into God's word. And I had to realize that as great as all of those external things are, and they are good and they are important, God's word is what's going to set me free. And I started realizing, I, I mean, I would drop my kids off at school and I would start having a panic attack where the sweat would be drenched because what if, they, if, if, if somebody arrives at the school with a gun and kills my kids? that I would have to phone Jason because I knew that he would force me to not turn around and go back to the school and fetch them and just go home and hide at home. 
So what I did was I said, all right, God, I know that your word is truth. I'm going to find scripture to help me deal with this anxiety. And, I, um, and he, he took me to Philippians 4 verse 8. And whenever I'd be driving and I'd have these anxious thoughts, I would say it over and over again. I'd say, fix my thoughts. Susan, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and worthy of praise. Susan, who is worthy of praise? This anxiety or God? God is worthy of praise. So Susan, are you going to give in to this anxiety or are you going to fix your thoughts on what is right and pure and lovely and admirable and worthy of praise? And I would say it over and over again until God's word became the strong thing, the rooted thing in my life. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 19, verse 14, I've, I've, I've loved the scripture since I first became a Christian. And I would say this as well. I would say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God, because you are my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you because you are my rock and, and my redeemer. And I would say it over and over again until I made sure that the anxious words were not what is coming out of my mouth, but that, that, that the words of my mouth would bring glory to God and glory to his truth. And in Matthew 4, we see that Jesus was tempted by Satan. He was tempted, and, he, and every time, what did he do? He had learned scripture from a young boy, and he took the truth of God's word, and he used it against what Satan was trying to do in the desert. Craig Rochelle says, so he, call, he talks about something called the replacement principle. Remove the lies, replace with truth. Remove the lies, replace with truth. And once you get that, man, that tool is powerful. You then start allowing the spirit to work in you and your mind catches up with what the spirit is doing. I'll give you an example of something. Maybe you um, believe that you are unlovable and unworthy because you were rejected. You were either rejected from a child by your parents or you were rejected in a relationship or you were rejected at school by friends. Whatever route your rejection comes from, that's the lie to say I'm rejected. The truth, Psalm 27 verse 10 says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Romans 5 verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You can say that over and over to yourself. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. That doesn't make me unlovable or unworthy. That's the exact opposite. I hope these examples have raised some red flags for you in your life that you can go away and think, you know, God, what lies am I believing? What thoughts am I thinking that is influencing my life, my behavior, my habits, my dreams, my goals? And then I want you to think about the last part of um, Romans 12 verse 2 where it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect because God has a plan for you and his will for you is good and is pleasing and is perfect. But we need to draw close to God to hear the whisper. The Old Testament talks about how God speaks to us in the, 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 the silence or the, the, the whisper, sorry, of a very gentle wind, not in the thunder and lightning. 
And if Carol was going to whisper something to me now, the only way I can hear her is if I create a closeness, if I separate the gap. I can't hear her if I'm all the way over here. The only way that I can hear God is if I create space to draw close to Him. And the way that you do that is through His Word, is through worship, is through prayer, is through fellowship. I don't want to just preach a message and you think, yeah, that sounds great. And then we go home and we forget about it. So I've actually got homework for you. I want you to go home and I want you to think about what you think about. I want you to think about what lies you've been believing and putting into your life and living. I want you to think about what new pathway you are going to create. And I want you to write down 2 Peter 1 verse 3. This is going to be part of your homework. And you are going to say 2 Peter 1 verse 3 and make it personal. And I want you to say it out loud and I want you to say it with confidence and boldness. So if I'm saying this to myself, this is how I would say it. By His divine power, God has given me everything that I need for living a godly life. I have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called me to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And I want you to say it and I want you to believe it until you've created a new pathway. And so how do we change our thinking in order to change our lives? You've heard me say it enough times this morning. First, we need to realize that the lies are holding us captive in the first place. And that these lies were just pathways that we kept walking on. But God has never told us to walk on them. He's got other plans for us. He's got better plans for us. We allowed ourselves to be held captive behind a closed door. But Jesus is on the other side and he says, Susan, Racer, Sam, Wendy, Linda, there's freedom for you on the other side. But you look at this and you say, but God, I can't get through this door. It's locked. It's bolted. There's no way that I can break through all of these things that are true about me. And God says, no, they are lies. And you know what? The door was never locked in the first place. The door was always open, open for you to experience the freedom that Jesus has for you. The freedom that he talks about in John 8 verse 32, where he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and none of the stuff, not the most heaviest door in all of history, not the biggest lies that has ever been spoken over you, I don't care what some teacher said to you. I don't care what your parents said to you. I don't care that my biological father left because when I discovered a relationship with Jesus, when I discovered that Jesus died for me and set me free and made a way for me to experience this freedom, that became more important than anything else. And I don't want you to fall back 
on your default behavior because you try in your own strength. I want you to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to Google, if you have to, verses to counteract and to fight the lies in your life. Google can be your best friend. I mean, it can also be your worst enemy. But if you use it in the best way, if you, you know what? I am a very simple person. I don't need fluff. I will just type in scripture that, about feeling unloved or Bible verses about feeling rejected. And it's all there. And you write it out, you print it out, you say it, you repeat it, you save it on your phone. God, I will not give in to my anxious thoughts. I will fix my mind on you. I will fix my mind on your word because the um, words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you. I will not give in to the lies. And when those lies come back to, to taunt you, you stand firm on his word and you say, no, I will not because that door is open. It was never locked in the first place. Invite God to renew your mind with truth, please. Can I ask you? And next year, we're gonna offer freedom again, the freedom course and the life group and the freedom encounter where we speak so much truth and we help you to walk in the freedom that, that God has for you, that Jesus has paid for you. Look out for it, sign up for it. But before I pray, before I close in prayer, what we're going to do straight after the service is we actually have asked some of our prayer team to come to the front because maybe that's the first step you need to take. Maybe you actually just need someone to stand with you and pray with you that God will actually reveal himself to you and will actually show you where you've been trapped in a stronghold that he never intended for you. But right now, can I just ask you to close your eyes? Can you just allow God to minister to you right now? Think about what you think about. Father, I just want to lift up every person to you and ask God that they will do whatever they can to identify the lies that they have been living their life by and replace it with your truth. That you would help them to walk in the freedom that you paid with your life that's freely available to us help us God to stand firm on your word to not give in to the enemy's greatest um, lie that that we will forever be separated from you because you have made a way and the door is unlocked and all we have to do is answer it and invite you in and so Father if People today um, haven't even started a personal relationship with you yet. I pray that they would call out to you and say, God, I need to know what it is to have a personal relationship with you. Please reveal yourself to me. Please show me what it is to surrender my life to you. Please help me to acknowledge you as my personal savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.